Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon, and welcome to Autolytics Biotech's third quarter 2020 conference call. All participants are now in a listen-only mode. There will be a question and answer session at the end of this call. Please be advised that this call is being recorded at the company's request. I would now like to turn the call over to John Patton, Director of Investor Relations and Communications. Please go ahead. Thank you, Jason. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Oncolytics Biotech's third quarter 2020 conference call. Earlier today, Oncolytics issued a press release providing financial results and corporate updates for the third quarter of 2020. A replay of today's call will be available on the investors and media section of the Oncolytics website approximately two hours after its completion. After remarks from company management, we will open the call for Q&A. As a reminder, various remarks made during this call contain certain forward-looking statements relating to the company's business prospects and the development and commercialization of Palaria Rep, including statements regarding the company's focus, strategy, and objectives, the company's belief as to the potential mode and action of Palaria Rep as a cancer therapeutic, the design, aims, and anticipated benefits of the company's current or pending clinical trials, and other statements related to anticipated developments in the company's business. These statements are based on management's current expectations and beliefs and are subject to a number of factors which involve known and unknown risks, delays, uncertainties, and other factors not under the company's control that may cause actual results, performance, or achievements of the company to be materially different from the results, performance, or expectations implied by these forward-looking statements. In any forward-looking statement in which Oncolytics expresses an expectation or belief as to future results, Such expectations or beliefs are expressed in good faith and are believed to have reasonable basis, but there can be no assurance that the statement or expectation or belief will be achieved. These factors include results of current or pending clinical trials, risks associated with intellectual property protection, financial projections, actions by regulatory agencies, and those other factors detailed in the company's filings with CDAR and the SEC. Oncolytics does not undertake an obligation to update these forward-looking statements except as required by applicable laws. Now I will turn the call over to Dr. Matt Coffey, President and Chief Executive Officer of Oncolytics Biotech. Matt? Thanks, John, and thanks to all for joining us on the call today to discuss our third quarter corporate update. In addition to John, I'm joined by Andrew DiGodadaro, our Global Head of Business Development, and Mr. Kirk Look, our Chief Financial Officer. As I begin today's call, I would like to stress yet again how thoroughly impressed I've been by the talent and the unwavering commitment of Oncolytics employees, their partners, and investigators as they continue to operate among industry-wide challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic. Through the continued execution of our business continuity plan, we've built on the positive momentum generated earlier this year to achieve three clinical milestones since our last update. These milestones have further validated our unique oncolytic immunotherapy platform, advanced our lead breast cancer program towards the initiation of a registration study, and offered an opportunity to expand Pelorea Rep's potential market into additional indications with high unmet needs. 
We believe we are well positioned to continue reporting a steady cadence of value creating milestones across our broad clinical pipeline. I'd like to move on and discuss some of our recent highlights. Our primary focus is the advancement of Pelorea-REP, our intravenously delivered immunoalkalytic virus towards a registration study in hormone receptor positive HER2 metastatic breast cancer. We believe Pelorea-REP can address a critical unmet need in this indication, as many currently available therapies are simply unable to produce a meaningful survival advantage for a significant percentage of patients. Such a belief is supported by the promising results of our phase two study, IND213, which showed a near doubling of overall survival with pelorea treatment in HR-positive HER2-negative metastatic breast cancer patients. We continue to build on these results with our ongoing AWARE-1 and Bracelet-1 clinical trials, the completion of which will determine the design of our phase three registration program. Now, as a reminder, these studies together aim to achieve three objectives to facilitate the initiation of the phase three registrational trial. First, they aim to confirm Pelorurep's immunotherapeutic mechanism of action to support the promising efficacy data that's already been generated. Second, they aim to validate the clinical utility of our novel blood-based biomarker measuring T-cell clonality to predict patient responses to Pelorurep. And finally, they will evaluate Pelorurep's ability to enhance the efficacy of checkpoint inhibitors to improve patient outcomes, as there is robust and growing preclinical and clinical data sets supporting the synergistic potential of Pelorurep checkpoint inhibitor combination therapies. With these objectives in mind, I'm happy to report that we've recently achieved key milestones in both AWARE and Bracelet that have furthered our progress towards meeting these objectives and brought us closer to the initiation of a registration study. The first of these milestones came from the AWARE-1 window of opportunity study in early stage breast cancer. This is a study being conducted by SOLTI and represents the first use of our clinical surprise agreement with Roche. Last quarter, I spoke about how pleased we were to have doubled the number of centers, the study centers. But such an achievement would likely lead to rapid patient enrollment. Today, I can report that this was in fact the case as we enrolled 24 of 38 patients, including all of the patients in the study's first two cohorts. Now, completion of enrollment in these first two courts is particularly noteworthy, as these patients, like those enrolling in bracelet one, have the hormone receptor positive HER2 breast cancer subtype with and without T-centric, allowing us to measure the contribution of the checkpoint inhibitor. This progress has been further bolstered by the recently announced compelling data from the completed set of cohort one patients presented at this year's CITSI meeting. These data demonstrated the ability of Pelorurep without checkpoint blockade to reverse the immunosuppressive tumor microenvironment and suggest that Pelorurep treatment may have long-lasting anti-cancer immune memory effects. Specifically, the data showed that Pelorurep treatment led to tumor-specific replication in all observed subjects at a level that was dramatically higher than we've seen in any other study. Now, this high level of replication may explain the single agent activity in metastatic breast cancer we've previously reported. Additionally, we observed an average 14-fold increase in intratumoral CD8 positive T cells and the generation of new presumptive antiviral and anti-tumor T cell clones that may facilitate a long-lasting immune memory effect. This is the clearest evidence we have generated to date that the virus can promote pro-inflammatory tumor environment. The AWARE-1 data 
also showed that 70% of cohort 1 patients saw an increase in cell till, the study's primary endpoint and a measure of tumor inflammation that is associated with favorable clinical outcomes. The cell till response is particularly encouraging given the absence of a checkpoint blockade therapy in cohort 1. These results add to AWARE 1's robust data set, which also includes data that confirms Pelorirep's immunotherapeutic mechanism of action, demonstrates its potential to synergistically combine with checkpoint inhibitors, and support the clinical, clinical utility of T-cell clonality as a blood-based biomarker that may allow us to select and to stratify patients who are more likely to respond to Pelorirep-based treatments in our pivotal studies. To summarize, the data from FITSI helped answer one of the questions from our IND213 study. Can Pelorirep generate an adaptive T-cell-based immune response that educates a patient's immune system to fight their cancers? With a 14-fold increase in intratumoral CD8-positive T-cells and with 70% of the patients showing an increase in cell till, we now believe we have definitively shown just that. Going forward, having completed cohort two of the AWARE study, we expect to answer the question of whether there is synergy between Pelorirep and checkpoint blockade therapy in breast cancer. We expect to present data to answer this question at the San Antonio Breast Conference in December. Moving on now to Bracelet 1, our Phase 2 trial evaluating the safety and efficacy of Pelorirep-based combination therapies in hormone receptor-positive HER2 metastatic breast cancer patients. Like and aware, we've continued to make sustained progress in this trial. We continue to rapidly enroll patients and have executed our plans laid out during our last call to accelerate the opening of additional trial sites. To date, we have activated 13 out of 20 sites and are conducting the study under the auspices of PRECON's world-renowned research organization. We've also successfully completed the trial safety run-in with the Data and Safety Monitoring Board, verifying Pella's outstanding safety profile. Now, as a reminder, bracelet's design is essentially identical to the design of our prior IND213 study with two exceptions. First, the study focuses exclusively on hormone receptor positive HER2 subset of metastatic breast cancer patients, which is the patient population in which we saw the most pronounced overall survival benefit. Second, bracelet one adds an additional study arm to evaluate Pelorea Rep in combination with Pfizer and Merck's anti pdl one checkpoint inhibitor, Vivencio. This design was developed in collaboration with Pfizer and Merck KGA to support the overall survival advantage observed in IND213 by demonstrating Pelorirep's ability to induce an anti-tumor immune response in a near-identical patient population. Additionally, the study aims to validate T-cell clonality utility as a clinical biomarker and evaluate the efficacy of Pelorirep checkpoint inhibitor combination therapy. Together, Bracelet and AWARE make up the core of our lead breast cancer program. This program has been substantially de-risked by the compelling data these trials have produced to date, as well as our prior regulatory achievements. These achievements include fast-track designation and a special protocol assessment for our metastatic breast cancer program. The continued progress made in Bracelet and AWARE 1 trials has us on track to meet the clinical objectives needed to initiate a registration study and leaves us well-positioned for sustained near- and long-term success. Now I'd like to shift gears a bit and talk briefly about our investigator-sponsored IRANE study. The first patient was recently dosed in the study, which was initiated as an expansion of a breast cancer program in a new disease subtype, triple negative breast cancer. While immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy is approved for the treatment of triple negative breast cancer, the limitations of checkpoint inhibitors leave a large met on need for these patients. 
This need exists in part because only about 40% of triple negative breast cancer patients have sufficient PDL1 expression to be eligible to receive check inhibitors at this time. And of those, those and of those that are eligible, only about half of those are likely to respond to these therapies. Our phase two IRANE study aims to address the unmet needs of triple negative breast cancer patients by evaluating Pelorirep in combination with Insight's anti pdl one check one inhibitor, Retifadlimab. The study is supported by prior clinical data showing the systemic Pelorirep administration primed the adaptive immune response and increased pdl one expression across multiple breast cancer subtypes. Such data demonstrates the potential appeal Pelorirep to increase the number of patients that are eligible for and can respond to checkpoint inhibitors and highlights the market opportunity that exists for Pelorea Rep in this breast cancer subtype. Moving on, I would like now to shift the discussion away from our primary focus on metastatic breast cancer and speak a bit more about the work that's been done with Pelorea Rep in additional indications. As we announced earlier this week, an upcoming oral presentation at the 2020 Society of Neuro-Oncology annual meeting will feature data from Rio Glio, a recently completed investigator-sponsored phase 1B trial. This trial evaluating the combination of PELA and granulocyte macrophage colony stimulating factor alongside standard chemo radiotherapy and adjuvant telozolomide for the treatment of newly diagnosed glioma multiform, or GBM. Data in the presentation's corresponding abstract show that this combination of therapy is safe and well-tolerated newly diagnosed GBM patients and we are eager to share additional data related to the combination's efficacy at the conference later this month. Now, before we move on to our next section, I want to extend my gratitude to the University of Leeds Cancer Research UK and the Brain Tumor Charity for designing, managing, and funding the Rio Glio trial. With that, I'll now hand the call off to Andrew to discuss our BD efforts and how these have driven some exciting advancements in our GI cancer program. Andrew? Thanks, Matt. As we've mentioned in the past, there's a growing interest from large pharma and biotech companies in improving the efficacy of checkpoint inhibitors by pairing them with oncolytic viruses. This has been marked by several deals by companies such as Merck, BMS, and J&J, which have typically been preceded by initial collaborations designed to evaluate the feasibility of potential combinations. This is the exact approach oncolytics has been taking. We've leveraged our robust and growing clinical data set to foster relationships with large pharma and biotech, which have led to our ongoing Pelorea Rep studies designed to value potential synergies with Roche's Tocentric, Pfizer and Merck KJ's Bavento, BMS's Optivo, and Insight's Retifanlimab. The latest example of our ability to execute on this approach comes from the recently announced Goblet trial, which is a phase one, two trial being conducted in collaboration with Roche and AIO a leading academic cooperative medical oncology group based in Germany. Goblet is designed to evaluate Pelorirep in combination with Roche's anti-PDL1 checkpoint inhibitor, Tocentric, in patients with metastatic pancreatic, metastatic colorectal, and advanced anal cancers. The study aims to address a large unmet need similar to the one being addressed by the Irene study Matt mentioned earlier. There are approximately 4.8 million global GI cancer cases annually, and approximately 80% of GI cancer patients do not respond to checkpoint inhibitor therapy, often due to immunosuppressive tumor microenvironments. These limitations of checkpoint inhibitors, combined with Pelorea-Rep's promising early clinical data set in colorectal and pancreatic cancer, highlight a compelling market opportunity for Pelorea-Rep in GI malignancies. 
Prior clinical studies have shown rapid maturation of dendritic cells, increased activation of CD8 positive cells, and upregulation of tumor PDL1 expression following pelorea rep treatment in GI cancer patients. These data highlight pelorea rep's potential to increase the number of patients responding to checkpoint inhibitors in these indications. Further, we've previously reported data from early clinical studies showing a greater than 90% clinical benefit rate in KRAS mutated colorectal cancer patients and a greater than 80% increase in progression-free survival in pancreatic cancer patients with low levels of CCAM6 expression. These data in pancreatic cancer were particularly compelling as they allowed us to identify CCAM6 as a predictive biomarker of resistance to pelorea rep. The goblet study is therefore designed to confirm both the utility of CCAM6 and T-cell clonality as biomarkers in GI cancers which will be critical as we move towards later stage trials. As Matt mentioned earlier, the ability to selective and stratify patients who are likely to respond to treatment improves our chances of success and enables us to be more cost efficient and enroll trials faster, which gets us to potential value inflection points sooner with greater financial flexibility. Looking ahead, we are eager to continue advancing the goblet study and we expect to begin dosing patients in the first half of next year. As a whole, the checkpoint inhibitor market is expected to reach $25 billion annually by 2022, despite the low response rates we have been discussing throughout this conference call. Our extensive clinical data set, demonstrating Pelorea's ability to induce innate and adaptive immune responses, highlights its potential to improve these response rates and accelerate the growth of checkpoint inhibitor companies. This has driven exciting business development opportunities across our pipeline, highlighted by Bracelet, AWARE, IRENE, GOBLET, and our ongoing study with BMS evaluating Pelorea-Rep Optivo combination therapy in multiple myeloma patients. Ultimately, it is our goal to leverage relationships such as these to secure global clinical and commercialization partnership to both facilitate Pelorea-Rep's approval and maximize its commercial opportunity. We expect the continued advancement of Pelorea-Rep, particularly in our lead breast cancer program, to drive us towards this goal by advancing our ongoing discussions with potential partners across the pharma and biotech industries. With that, I'll turn the call over to Kirk Luck, our CFO, to discuss our financial results for the quarter. Kirk? Thanks, Andrew, and good afternoon, everyone. I'm very pleased to report that Oncolytics remains in a strong financial position as we advance Pella Rear Up towards registration. Now, our cash and cash equivalents as of September 30th, 2020, were $26.7 million compared to 12.3 million as of September 30th, 2019. This includes gross proceeds of 3.6 million from our at-the-market facility, which we established last quarter, pushing our financial runway to the end of 2021. Now, our operating expenses for the third quarter of 2020 were $2.5 million compared to 1.8 million in the third quarter of 2019. This change is largely due to an increase in our investor relations activities, along with an increase in our directors and officers' insurance premiums. Now, our research and development expenses for the third quarter of 2020 were $3.9 million compared to $1.7 million for the same period last year. During the current quarter, in addition to progressing our AWARE 1 and Bracelet 1 studies, we also completed a CGMP production run along with the associated release testing. We also incurred costs connected to changes in personnel and expansion of our U.S. office, all in the support of our clinical program. 
Finally, our net loss for the third quarter of 2020 was $6.7 million compared to $3.5 million in the third quarter of 2019, equating to a net loss of $0.16 cents per share for both the 2020 and 2019 periods. With that, I'll hand it back to Matt. Thank you, Kirk. Now, before we move to the Q&A, I wanted to talk briefly about a recent corporate achievement that we're pretty excited about. Last month, we announced that Dr. Richard Vile, a world-renowned expert and key opinion leader in oncolytic viruses and adoptive T-cell therapies, joined our scientific advisory board. Dr. Vile is a professor of immunology at the Mayo Clinic, director of Mayo's immuno-oncology and gene virus therapy program, and co-director of the cancer immunology and immunotherapy program. His research specializes in oncolytic viruses, but also adoptive T-cell therapies such as CAR T-cells, and the potential synergistic interactions between these oncolytic viruses and adoptive cell uh, therapies. Dr. Val's extensive experience studying Pelorirep has left him intimately familiar with Pelorirep's substantially competitive advantage over other oncolytic viruses. One such advantage is Pelorirep's ability to be administered systemically by nursing staff without the need for special handling procedures. This differs from other oncolytic viruses that often require intratumoral administration and or special handling due to the BSL-3 classification. Further, Tela's systemic administration route facilitates its delivery and select replication in both local and metastatic tumors, and it remains the only viral agent to show a survival advantage in late-stage metastatic breast cancer patients. These characteristics, together with the guidance of Dr. Vile and the rest of our leadership team, leaves us well-positioned as we work to demonstrate the ability of Pelaria Rep to synergistically combine with additional immunotherapeutic agents and increase the number of patients responding to such therapies. Looking ahead, we expect to continue achieving a steady cadence of value-creating milestones through the sustained advancement of our diverse clinical pipeline. We continue to steadily progress towards a registrational study in our lead hormone receptor positive HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer program while simultaneously executing on additional studies that broaden Pelorirep's commercial opportunity. This execution, in turn, drives the continued development of our industry partners, which deliver additional value to our stakeholders. Our ability to consistently execute on our goals, despite the unpredictable and industry-wide challenges posed by COVID-19, speaks to the extraordinarily dedicated and talent of our employees and partners. I'm confident that we will continue to build on this positive momentum as we generate value for our shareholders, and most importantly, improve the lives of our patients. With that, I'd now like to open the lines to take some questions. Operator? Certainly. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We will pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of John Newman from Canaccord. Your line is open. Hi, guys. Uh, good evening. Thanks for taking my question. Um, so... I wondered if you could just remind us why showing uh, increased T-cell excuse me, clonality uh, with Pelorirep um, in the AWARE1 study uh, is important and what it potentially indicates uh, the therapy is doing, especially in the absence of uh, checkpoint inhibitors in cohort one. Thanks. Thanks. That's a great question. So by way of background, cell till is a pathological assessment. So the patient will have a biopsy at baseline and a point later. Um, and really what cell till tells you is the level of cellularity or 
uh, basically the number of cancer cells as well as the number of inflammatory cells. So if we see a decrease in the cancer cells due to lysis or, or immune uh, targeting of them, um, it goes, the, the, the cellularity decreases. And if we see an increase in inflammatory cells, it goes up and the net effect is you end up with a positive cell total score. What this really tells us uh, in patients, especially notably in breast cancer, um, the presence or pardon me, the absence of T cells really is prognostic of a poor outcome. And really what that tells you is there's no inflammatory cells, there's no NK cells, there's no T cells um, within the tumor. So the immune system is completely blind to this tumor. So these patients tend to have very poor prognosis. Um, by increasing the cell tail score and, and doing so so dramatically in the, in the vast majority of patients, what it tells us is the immune system now is aware of the tumor. It's trafficking these pro-inflammatory cells into the tumor to counter um, the, the, the growth of the tumor. And also we're getting a decrease in cellularity. So what that means is between the virus and the immune cells, it's eliminating the cancer cells within the tumor. So the cell tail score is a very positive tool and a very powerful tool uh, to tell us how well the patients are doing. And what we're seeing from some of the early um, immune, immunology and amino mass cytometry, um, we actually are getting um, expansion of T cells within the tumor so T cells that were resident within the tumor, we're seeing those expand, and presumptively then those are anti-tumor um, T cells. Uh, the other thing that's coming out of the AWARE study is we can actually take the immune system at baseline, um, and again at day 21 when the surgery is done, and we can apply that to the tumor of the patient, and what we find is there's no recognition of the tumor at baseline uh, an incredible re recognition by the release of uh, chemokines and cytokines, notably interferon gamma, um, that the immune system has learned to recognize and target. And this is very important for these patients because what we want to establish, and I think we have established now in this cohort one, we have uh, memory cells that recognize the tumor that will be with these women for the rest of their life and hopefully are able to challenge uh, micrometastatic disease and recurrence of disease so that these women have a much better long-term outcome. Okay, great. And can you also talk about um, the um, the differences that are seen when you think about what has been shown in the past with some of the uh, PD-1 inhibitors um, showing an increase in um, cell till versus what you're seeing with Pelorirep on its own um, showing an increase in cell till? Thanks. What, what we've presented previously in animal models, and I expect this to be the case, and it, you know, the, the real meat of the AWARE study was cohorts one and two. Um, and you can see this because it, it's reflective of the target patient population, but it's also the only cohorts that have 10 patients each, the rest of them have five or six. So, you know, the, the study was very much weighted to those cohorts. Um, what we're seeing um, as compared to what you would see with checkpoint inhibitors is we're getting uh, rapid expansion of T cell clones. Checkpoint inhibitors, with the exception of CTLA-4, really don't prime very much. They don't actually generate new clones. They just activate the existing ones. Um, but what we've seen in early animal models, when we treat with rearvirus, we get pro-inflammatory cells, but we also get accumulation of some Tregs, which, which are basically slowing um, or, or breaking the immune system, if, if you will, as well as MDSC cells, which uh, have a very similar role in, in promoting anti-inflammation. When we add checkpoint inhibitors to the tumor, what we find in animal models, at least, is we main that, maintain that high level of inflammation with accumulation of CD8 positive cells, but in the presence of the checkpoint inhibitor, um, we're 
negating or eliminating the Treg from the tumor, so we're getting a much more pro-inflammatory event. And you know what we're hoping is, you know, we'll we'll see the same thing in human patients. What we'd like to see in cohort two is the same level of cell tail, if not higher, um, but more of the pro-inflammatory immune cells rather than an accumulation of Treg. And you know, early evidence would suggest that is the case. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Jeff. Once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Wangji Lee from Leidenberg. Your line is open. Hi, thanks for taking my question. I also have a question about a well-worn uh, data. Um, just what do you think any uh, contribution from the lysosome in the quarter one and two? And also, uh, I think maybe you mentioned it, but uh, what do you think uh, you will, when do you think you will report data for the cohort two? Is that a San Antonio? Um, those are my questions. Thank you. So to answer your second question first, yes, um, the plan for San Antonio is to really compare and contrast cohort one and two, because I think that sets the stage for uh, the registration study. I think it sets the stage for what we can expect coming out of the bracelet study. Um, so it, it will be an important presentation for us, um, and that's at San Antonio. We now have confirmed that we do have three presentations uh, in San Antonio. And Wang Zi, forgive me, what was your first question? Uh, do you think there is any role of the letters for the results you're showing at the, uh, the recent presentation? Um, because post quarter one, two, also the patient also had a letters right, in addition to uh, pilot. We, we spoke with the investigators about that um, in their previous investigations into Celtil. Like the Salty group is actually the group uh, that uh, defined and created the, the Celtil score. Um, so they're arguably the most familiar within the world. There's no um, assumption that uh, letrozole is going to have any effect in terms of uh, creating a pro inflammatory event. Um, the reason it was included is this study. Uh, it's a basically a neoadjuvant study or a window of opportunity. So we're taking these healthy women and they get standard of care and then we add additional agents on top of that. Um, because um, obviously they're, they're hoping to get some shrinkage or changes to their tumor, um, we do have to combine with standard of care. Um, otherwise it would be unethical. Um, but in speaking with the investigators in their own examinations of cell till letrozole does not uh, impact negatively or positively uh, the cell till score in a meaningful way. Guy is helpful. A last question is about breastfeeding. So one study. Um, do you have any further color on uh, in terms of time for initial data report? For I'm, I'm sorry, Wangsley, which study? The bracelet. Oh, bracelet. Um, bracelet's actually enrolling really well. Um, we anticipate uh, the completion of enrollment uh, first half of next year. Um, so we'll be reporting, uh, hopefully, near final data by San Antonio next year. Um, that being said, we are, we are hoping to get additional data readouts, but uh, that's in conjunction with Pfizer, our co-development partner, um, so they'll have to approve that. Okay, got it. There are no further questions at this time. I now turn the call back to Mr. Matt Coffey for closing remarks. 
thanks again to everyone for joining us on the call. We look forward to the continued advancement of our clinical program, and we'll keep everyone updated along the way. Thanks so much. That concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.